The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal that gives you more speed and control over the process. You can now disclose, lock, and manage your loan seamlessly from start to finish, all in one place. It's another reason why greatness lives here. PennyMac TPO is Division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. The FHA is raising the limits for conforming loans with the cap in certain high-cost areas now exceeding $1 million. That's prompted critics, including the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, to call this a subsidy for McMansions. But is that the case? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Peter Idziak. He's a senior associate attorney for the law firm Polunsky Bito Green. Peter, thanks for joining me. Mike, good to be here. So, yeah, we just want to sort of look into the FHFA raising the loans or the limits rather for conventional loans and some of the concerns we've seen about what that might mean for the for the home buying market and, and who can benefit. But I think just to get started, maybe we can sort of look at the, at the decision, you know, the, the I'm sorry, the, the, the process as a whole and sort of what the FHFA is charged with doing. I mean, if, at some point we were going to hit these numbers, 726 and, and a million. We were going to hit them at some point. Based on what the FHFA is sort of required to do when they make these decisions, does it make sense that this is the year that we're, we're hitting those marks? I mean, it, you know, it really does. And you're right. This is not a discretionary call by FHFA uh, under HERA, the Housing and Economic Recovery Act of 2008. Annually, FHFA is tasked with revising and adjusting the conforming loan limits to match uh, the increase in the median sale price of the home in the United States. So based on the massive price appreciation that we've seen in the last two years, and you know, really since um, a decade ago, I think home prices are up almost 75%. It was you know, axiomatic that at some point in these high cost areas, you're going to exceed a million dollars on the conforming loan limits. And I do think it's important, you know, there's been a lot of uh, press articles and the headlines always, you know, uh, you know, Fannie Freddie to, to purchase million dollar plus homes, but that's only true in certain high cost areas. The uh, the national baseline conforming loan limit, as you said, is going to be 726,200. Uh, still a 12% increase from last year, which in turn was, I think, an 18% increase from the year before. But that just reflects, uh, you know, past data about how uh, much of an increase we've seen in home prices. It's not FHFA predicting that home prices are going to increase uh, in 2023. So that's not something they can't look out and say, hey, we're looking at, you know, home prices are going to continue skyrocketing and maybe we want to get ahead of it and sort of phase this in as opposed to a, a, a jolt to the system. They can't look at that, right? This doesn't say anything about 2023. Right. So so their data was based on the increase between uh, the third quarter of 2021 and 2022. Um, their data has also showed that there have been some you know, decreases in metropolitan areas uh, in, in Q3, 
But you look year over year, you saw that increase. And interestingly, for the national baseline conforming loan limit, HERA is effectively a one-way ratchet. So when prices decrease, the conforming loan limit stays the same. And then once those decreases have been made back up, then the um, conforming loan limit will increase. So um, for, the, for the baseline, that's in the statute. And FHFA has taken the same position with high cost areas. Basically, you know, it doesn't matter if uh, one good example is kind of the San Francisco area where home prices have decreased. Uh, that um, high cost conforming loan limit has stayed the same because FHFA says we're going to take the same approach to that that HERA requires us to take under the national. So you know, to, to answer your question, uh, would it maybe be helpful from an affordability concern? If in high cost areas, at least, uh, if prices are decreasing, that conforming loan limits decrease, uh, perhaps, but FHFA has not taken that position. Is that something legally they could do if we start to see, you know, particularly what we've seen with, with you know, people moving to, to certain areas because of affordability, those prices take off. Now we're sort of seeing the reverse and we're seeing things fluctuate a lot on even a, a regional basis, you know, in the last couple of years, is that something the FHA could do if they could look at the market and go, there's so much more fluctuation than we might normally see? Well, I mean, what they, what they could do, and, and they even admit that, that they could with the high cost areas, is if their data showed a decrease, they could decrease that high cost areas um, conforming loan limit. So it's for various policy reasons, I think they don't want to go there. Um, but whenever you have more high cost areas that in the next several years, if, you know, probably not 2023 or 2024, but start exceeding a million dollars, it may become more of a you know, political or policy issue where uh, you know, policymakers start looking at this and say, well, maybe we don't need a one way ratchet all the time. Maybe we do need in these high cost areas to allow home prices to decrease. Hair uh, has only been around since 2008. And although there were price decreases for several years, um, you know, from 2008 to about 2013-14, we really haven't seen uh, this rapid appreciation and then decrease uh, over the course of two years. So again, pointing to San Francisco, which is one of the few areas where prices uh, have decreased. Uh, if that decrease continues, I think you'll have a, a decent argument in a, a few years that, well, maybe we should be reducing these loan limits in high-cost areas. And and um, obviously, you, you want to recognize the the cost of a specific area, um, you know, going up or down more than than a, the rest of the country. But I guess just you know, as you as you said, this could be something that becomes politicized. I mean, I guess from from a legal and and you know, obviously from their political standpoint, just the rationale of of doing this every year and, and creating these tiers as opposed to just saying this this is what it is. I mean, is this just? allowing Fannie and Freddie to respond to what's going on in the market, which makes it easier for most home buyers to, to get a loan based on what home prices are. Don't miss the largest regional mortgage show in the nation. The New England Mortgage Expo returns to Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, January 12th and 13th. See us at www.nemortgageexpo.com. Start your year with the best connections in the industry. Dozens of sessions, scores of exhibitors. It's where success is written every hour. www.nemortgageexpo.com. Yeah, you know, I think that's a big driver of it. And uh, it's important to note that... Um, 
Hera had set a specific initial conforming loan limit. So the median sale price for a home in the United States, I think in Q3 was something like $455,000. So the baseline limit does not reflect the fact that, you know, Fannie and Freddie will only purchase loans made on homes that are the median price uh, or lower. So in a sense, it, it can be thought of, uh, there's two arguments here. One is that the ever-increasing forming loan limits drives home prices higher. Uh, the counter-argument is that you know, Fannie Freddie-supported loans uh, have lower interest rates, require lower down payments than um, private lenders might or jumbo products. So that can increase affordability um, because these uh, loan limits are kind of backward-looking. Fannie and Freddie are really, to answer your question, just responding to what home prices are in a given area and making more affordable loans to potential home buyers. Um, I think one of the one of the areas that you may see uh, more of a kind of a pushback or uh, arguments against this is uh, the fact that this isn't just for primary residences. It applies to second homes and investment properties as well. And in a sense, you know, do we want uh, the government to essentially be subsidizing and supporting, you know, vacation homes and income producing properties for individuals? Or do those loan limits, you know, need to be lower um, one of the other thoughts was for some of these uh, high cost areas is increasing the G fees that Fannie and Freddie charge as opposed to the loan limits. You know, you had mentioned earlier that people are worried about living in, you know, that the government's helping people buy McMansions, but you look at where those million dollar plus loan limit areas are um, in the continental U.S. and it's the D.C. Metro, the New York City Metro, Los Angeles, Orange County, you know, Nantucket and, and Martha's Vineyard. So the, although, you know, there are definitely mansions out there, you're probably not going to find one for $1.1 million. And, and, you know, you obviously work with a lot of, of lenders as, as part of this process. You know, what are you seeing right now in terms of other options that are out there, too, that, you know, you're not limited by the conventional limit when you get, say, a jumbo loan or something that can uh, maybe accommodate you a little bit more? What are you seeing? Are, are those, you know, are the market's ripe for those to be a little more popular, right? Uh, you know, it, that is true. Um, it, this year, of course, uh, with the rate increases and the way that the uh, industry is, and the market has responded, um, it's, it's always hard to kind of gauge what's going to be going forward. But at the moment, you know, jumbo rates, um, I think a couple of weeks ago, were actually lower on average than, um, than Freddie's um, you know, average uh, 30-year fixed rate. So for borrowers that um, can exceed this limit, uh, jumbos can perhaps be a more attractive op opportunity for you, um, especially if you're, you're dealing with um, a bank or a credit union or or a mortgage banker who's able to get you more attractive pricing than you might otherwise be able to get. Um, but beyond that, um, what has been kind of surprising, perhaps, is the uh, amount of cash buyers you're also seeing that are still, of course, having an effect on home prices in any given area, but are not subject to or beholden to these conforming loan limits. Right, absolutely. And those are obviously having a big impact on, on prices as well. Um, I, I just wanted to come back to, you know, the the point you were making about um some of the criticisms of of these these limits and um both from the concerns that it's perhaps pushing up prices because you know now these larger sales are eligible for these these government-backed loans. But also, as you pointed out, it's not just primary residents. Um, I don't know if there's been 
a lot of pushback already or or could there be i mean certainly um you know advocates for affordability would push back on you know the if if there's concerns that this is driving up price but also you know i know republicans have been vocal about the the balance sheets at Fannie and Freddie and them not sort of meeting some of their capital requirements given sort of both of those concerns um could we start to see more pushback on whether it's limiting what's eligible lowering the limits trying to do things to lim- to reduce the number of mortgages that could be eligible uh for uh Fannie and Freddie backing uh, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, you've definitely seen uh, a commentary from industry groups, um, some home affordability groups uh, on both sides of this. But uh, from what I've seen, you really haven't seen a lot of elected officials that have come out um, or, or responded to these uh, you know these headlines about the million dollar plus homes being so, uh, eligible for for Fannie Freddie purchase. So at this point, from what I'm seeing and hearing. It doesn't seem to be high on Congress's radar. So if you're looking at, you know, Hera's formula for the baseline conforming loan limit, you're really going to need, uh, you know, Congress to act and change that because FHFA does not have any, you know, uh, authority to, to, to waiver from that. High cost areas, it seems like FHFA's uh leaning more towards just from what I'm hearing, you know, higher G fees are making these uh, high cost loans less attractive to be uh, made uh, because they're more expensive to sell to Fannie and Freddie. So at, at this point, you know, it, what's interesting is that because this median amount, uh, the baseline CL applies to most of the country, you know, these million dollar limits are not available to uh, individuals in in most of the country, it's very much you know certain urban areas, and in those areas, the local politicians living there obviously deal with the high home prices. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of them necessarily arguing for more expensive mortgages and decreased property values for them and their constituents. Yeah, and certainly there's a number of other ways that Congress is trying to uh, address the affordability issue right now. This isn't the only tool that they have anyway. Uh, sorry, Peter, you're going to say. Yeah, and, and you know this is a bit of a you know just me kind of uh, hypothesizing here, but if you are in an environment where you um, begin to fear that maybe home prices are starting to decrease, um, having a a sense of floor on the conforming loan limits um, can serve as a break on any kind of decrease. And that may be something that policymakers want to consider as well. You know, we don't want to exacerbate price declines because I, you know, I'm trying to sell my home and all of a sudden the conforming loan limit went down $50,000 and, you know, half my qualifying potential buyers disappeared. So I got to lower my price. Right. Absolutely. Sort of artificially pushing the floor down instead of just helping people catch up to where the market is. Yeah. Peter, thanks so much for joining me. My pleasure, Mike. We'll have the rest of your headlines after a word from our sponsor. This podcast was brought to you by PennyMac TPO and Power Plus, their next generation broker portal. Visit tpo.pennymac.com to sign up. PennyMac TPO is a division of PennyMac Loan Services, LLC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS ID number 35953, licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Conditions and restrictions may apply. Here's your headlines for today, December 8th. Unfortunately, we have more layoffs to report on this time. It's title insurer DOMA. The company is cutting 40% of its staff or 515 positions. The company is looking to cut costs after incurring an $84 billion loss in the third quarter. In other news, Ginny May says investors love changes made to the VA loan program. 
Ginny May worked with the Department of Veterans Affairs over concerns that veterans were prepaying their loans even when it didn't benefit them. This resulted in changes to the cash-out refi process for VA loans, and now investors say they want more. The VA loan now makes up a bigger share of Ginny May's issuances. And finally, Equity Prime Mortgage finds itself in a fight over a $6 million auto racing sponsorship. Jesse Awuji Motorsports, a team on NASCAR's Xfinity Series, says EPM failed to pay the sponsorship fee. A federal judge in Florida dismissed the case on a technicality, saying that the court isn't the proper venue, but JIM could file the case in another court. JIM claimed EPM got a margin call. A partner with the company denied that part of the lawsuit, but otherwise declined to comment on the complaint. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Cotamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygates. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.